LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning team, I hope you're well this Sunday morning. It's set to be a cold and wet day today, so I think the best thing is stay tucked up in bed listening to LBC. Coming up in an hour, I'll be in conversation with Harry Potter star James Phelps. We'll be telling us all about working with British acting legends like Dame Maggie Smith and Gary Oldman and comedian Sean Hughes, who's performing at the Tricycle Theatre for four nights from Wednesday. But from now, we've got my best bits of the week. And unfortunately, I started the week disappointed after my favourite restaurant in Essex was closed and we had to go to a new one. Needless to say, it wasn't up to scratch. So there's eight of us going out. Now, we're trying to find dinner. And we we pre-booked this one. We pre-booked, so we go to Old Harlow Town, which is marginally more exciting than Harlow. Although, when we park the car in the car park, we go through this little shopping precinct, and there's kids kicking footballs around and screaming. And you thought, anybody who lives in this precinct, they must be blooming driving them mad, I should imagine. Anyway, so all that aside, we go to this restaurant, which we pre-booked for eight of us. Was it eight of us? Seven of us. I do beg your pardon, seven of us. And uh, so we go in, and... It's a bit oldie-worldy, OK? It looks oldie-worldy. And inside... But the trouble is, you walk through the front door, zilch atmosphere, there's no noise. You can't, we were the only ones in there. So, obviously, it was, it was going to get busy later on because we were eating quite early. And we go in, and I generally... If I'm going out to eat, I don't want to sit in a bar, first of all, or a little, what they call, cooling-off area while they get your table ready. It's already laid up. Just take us straight through. Because you sat in this... Tiny room. I mean, half the size of this studio. You've seen the studio, because I've tweeted a picture of it. And we sit there, and nobody says a word. Nobody says a word, because it's so quiet. There's no music going on in there. There's nothing at all. It is as dead as a doornail. So this very nice lady, and she is very nice, don't get me wrong. There's nothing the matter with, with, with her or the, or the actual play. It's just that it wasn't... It, it's not just the kind of thing we were looking for. It was a disaster for us. So we, we order a drink, first of all, so she's serving the drink. So I'm, immediately I'm thinking, perhaps the staff haven't arrived. Perhaps there is nobody here. Because she appeared, I mean, we, at one point I did joke to the family that she's going to disappear, put a moustache on and a man's outfit, come and go, your table is ready now. Because, I mean, the table was ready all the time. I don't know what they had to faff around for. So we go in there and we sit down. It's very quiet. Nobody's saying, and there's no, there's a zilch atmosphere. I mean, luckily we're, we're, we're reasonably noisy, so we can make our own atmosphere. And so we ordered the usual things. It's, it's about, it was about the same price as Unico. So, in fact, the bill for seven of us came to £247, which is roughly what it would have been in Unico, except in this one, the portions practically vanished on the plate. When, when Sharon's steak arrived, I, I looked at it and I. She looked at me and I said, she said, what are you thinking? I said, you know what I'm thinking. Minuscule portions, bruschetta, tiny. You know, garlic bread, little bit naff, I'm afraid. But OK, that was OK. I didn't have a starter. I just had veal uh, uh, escalope a la Malaise or whatever, Milanese or something, whatever it was. It was, it was really not good. You know, for what it cost, it wasn't great. And we're looking for value. So the tr- we all said exactly the same. I didn't have a dessert. The kids had ice cream and stuff like that. We had a couple of bottles of wine. It might have been three bottles of wine. And, but all in all, you know, 247 quid. And I thought, were, and all they had on was this poor woman. There was obviously somebody cooking in the kitchen and one waitress. So some people were being brought into this small dining room, although it was fairly busy. And they were sitting there for ages. And the woman said, I'm really... And I thought, where's your staff? Where are the staff? It was all women. I didn't see a man in there. And you need people to whiz around the tables and keep people happy. Because there was a big party behind us. Again, not much room. Really a little bit pokey, I'm afraid. Food, terribly disappointing. I mean, terribly disappointing. And so we all agreed. Because I didn't want it just to be me. So we asked the kit. They didn't like it. Chris and Sharon said, you know, there was no atmosphere. It was just... You know, I suppose they did their best, but it wasn't quite what we were expecting. Not for that much money. Not for that much money. We were Perhaps we've already set our sights too high, but then I don't suppose you can set them too high when you're going out to eat. And so we were, we're looking for places within shouting distance of Epping that have got a good atmosphere, good value food. You know, anybody got any ideas, do let us. We're, we're more than willing to go try places out. We're always looking for something new. But uh, we shan't be going to Old Harlow Town again in a hurry. I'm sure if you live around there, you probably know exactly what the place is. And then... So, I mean, so that was Saturday. That was quite nice. I drove back. Usual sort of boy races on the motorway. You know, you always get... I don't know why. 
I don't know why you get boy racers on the motorway. They're just, they've got to put their foot down their little cars with their little blacked-out windows. I feel a bit sorry for them. So yesterday, so we go out, we do the walk, and then we do Madame Tussauds, which is quite a nice bit of exercise. I mean, 5,000 steps in a day, that can't be too bad, can it? As sort of exercise goes. And then I watch the Dancing on Ice programme. What a sham. What a sham, honestly. You've got Matt Lepaninsky, order his name is, who's... Now, you know he's going to win. You know he's going to win because every single person who's ever won it has been a soap star who can dance. And this bloke, he did fake cod acting when they were filming him during rehearsals. He kept deliberately falling over or doing the usual, I can't do it. And I'm thinking, of course you can, you liar. You're just badly acting and that's why you're not in EastEnders anymore. Dreadful actor. Dreadful. I mean, really atrocious. But so he, he does, well, of course, when he does his bit, he's doing a bit of classical music. I can't work out whether Karen Barber is actually a mannequin from Madame Two Swords, who they've sort of animated slightly, or whether she just is as dreary as she comes over on the television. Quite clearly, there is no love loss between her and Jason Gardner, and yet people go, oh, Jason Gardner's very, very bitchy. Every time Jason says something like, well, I'm afraid that was really awful, the crowd go, boo. Robin Cousins says exactly the same thing. Nobody says a dicky bird. Karen Barber, I mean, as I said, she went, nobody cares what she's saying anyway. She's, she shouldn't even be on the panel. She's only on the panel because she's going out with... Um, with Mr. Mr. Dean, Christopher Dean. I mean, she's nice, but she looks like she's old enough to be his grandmother, poor soul. You know, that sort of badly bleached hair, it's all different sort of... I don't know. But anyway, so every time she says it, she's saying exactly the same as Jason Gardner. Jason Gardner gets pilloried, and the crowd obviously love to boo him. But he's absolutely right. You know, Samir Gardner can't dance for toffee. She can't dance... Oh, you were out of your comfort zone then, the crowd boo him. You know, you can't dance without your partner, Matt, Matt Latoilet or whatever his name is, who's dancing with a La Bouton or something. I mean, and the whole thing is just pants. It's just absolute pants. So yesterday we had a bit of a dance-off and somebody got kicked. I couldn't care less who it is. Most of the people are going so slow on the ice. You know, you've got Keith Chegwin, who frankly is the most irritating git I've ever seen on the television. In my, I mean, really? You know, the, the idea of still being, oh, shoopy, shoopy, he's a bit irritated. You want to hold his head under the water, don't you? If there was a bath in there, I'd hold him under the water for as long as possible till he stopped breathing. Because he's so irritating. You know, it must be nothing worse than trying to be a 52-year-old chipper bloke on the television when your career was washed up donkeys years ago. And so he has to do the, well, you know, oh, I can't believe I'm here. Oh, shut up. I got really angry with him. And and just the whole the whole thing. And then you've got, you know... You've got the Butch Gareth Thomas. Hardly Butch. Go to any gay bar, you'll find people look exactly the same as him. Probably marginally Butcher, I should imagine. And he's there, you know, but for some reason, he's got the gay vote. Why? He can't dance either. Most of them cannot dance. They can't do anything, and we have to sit... Oh, the single lady something. Uh, oh, so I'm watching Beyonce on the television. I love that. I wish I could do that dance routine. I wish I had legs like that. I think the bum's like that, but I don't think the rest of me is. And so... Having watched the Dancing on Ice Pro, I did sit there and I did start shouting at the television. I started shouting because I took Christine Bleakley. God, blimey, she's out of her comfort zone. I mean, A, anything that involves reading. And then halfway through the programme, you know, I mean, you have, to, you have to give it to them. They are good. The trouble is they're a bit too good. Torville and Dean always have a set piece where they dance and do this and, you know, pretend to do tongues. And, you know, it's all very exciting. And, and at the end, Christine said, let's hear it one more time. <laughs> In a funny little Irish accent. Uh, for Torvald. You know, we know they're good. We know they're good. You know, she's... But Christine, I don't know what she was wearing. I don't know what she was wearing. And she's like, she can't present. I mean, I don't want to be rude about it. She's just... That's why she was kicked off morning television. She's rubbish. There's no point in saying to somebody, listen, you're good at... Because she's not. She's not good. When you When you find a good... Female presenter. What did I watch the other day? It was on something. I was horrified to see her on there. Martha Carney was on a Bake Off programme. Martha Carney used to be at LBC years ago. She's, she's quite big at the BBC now. Now, I love Martha Carney dearly, but I thought, oh dear, I hope she's not fallen into the trap of we can make you a celebrity kind of thing. I don't like that. You know, it, it's at the moment Eddie the Eagle Edwards jumped off a diving board and has done something really useful, so that's that. You know, that's his, his career sealed. It's either that or they've got various people out of the Olympics who trot their weary old carcasses around. Talking of trotting your weary old carcass around, how many days do we give Paul Gascoigne? How many times have we seen? He's obviously on a path to destruction. There is obviously nothing that we can do. He's been into rehab. I saw him slobbering all over Richard and Judy years ago, where, no, I've been, cl- I've been clean now for... Uh, and you just think, you know, you're just a waste of space. If somebody's an alcoholic, fine. 
quite clearly, he doesn't have any friends. Quite clearly, he has no friends at all. All this codswallop you read in the paper about, oh, we're all so worried about Paul Gasco. Well, where are these friends? Where, where are they? Here he is, walking out of another off-licence. He's got a three-bedroom flat. Why haven't some of his friends moved in there and stopped him drinking? Because they're too busy giving bloody interviews to the newspapers. That's why. Sorry, I lost my temper there momentarily. It's ridiculous. Stop giving stupid interviews and go around and give him some blooming help. He doesn't need another stupid interview from Gary Lynch and go, oh, we're all terribly worried about it. Of course, we've been worried about him for the last ten years or so. He's been boozing since God knows when, since God created heaven and earth. And here he is. He apparently fell off the wagon on Thursday again. He's cried. He's like most drunks. He's out of control. He's completely out of control and nobody's doing anything. It's no good the paper's saying, we're actually going to help him. We're going to help him and there's an international rescue mission to save him. Yeah, like there was with George Best. Like there was with George Best. What was it? People buying him drinks, landlords serving him alcohol in pubs. Oh, that really helped George Best, didn't it? Died a sad, broke alcoholic. And Paul Gascoigne would go the same way if his friends don't either pull their fingers out and do something. His manager said, oh, he won't thank me for telling you this, but, you know, he's on a part... And you think, well, why are you telling us this then? I mean, I'm assuming he hasn't lost the power of reading... He's able to still read things about himself. And he's done a four-day booze binge. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I, I don't know what makes somebody drink this much to the point of they've got no... Where he's getting his money from, God alone knows. And then apparently he was standing on a balcony the other day and he, with a fag in his hand. He looks awful. And then he decides to sort of go to the toilet. So the paper censor it. I mean, it's, you know, where are, where are the friends? There are no friends. He was buying bottles of gin and lager the other day. Surely somebody's going to go, listen, I'm going to do you a favour. We're not going to serve you with this booze. We're not going to have to go somewhere else. And people should say, we're not going to serve you. Because the people who are serving him must quite clearly be able to see the man's an alcoholic. And yet they're, they're helping him on his way to the afterlife. It's the friends. So-called blooming friends. What friends do you need? Where's Billy F- Jimmy Five Bellies? Where are these people around him who've been there for years? Somebody needs to do something. Can anyone else smell an autobiography? We'll take a quick break here. When we come back, you'll hear more from the Gaza saga. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. This week, the tabloids have been overflowing with news of Paul Gascoigne, who's checked into rehab again. It's not just any old rehab for Gaza. He's gone abroad. The good news is that Paul Gascoigne has now toddled off to America uh, after, we are told, a number of friends uh, paid. And, you know, nice so it is. I thought people would do this kind of thing quietly. You know, it's like David Beckham. He's donating his money to charity. It's, it's to gain maximum publicity. I shouldn't imagine that the people who've paid for Gaza's rehabilitation... It is, it's the last chance saloon. He's gone to America. Presumably, if he'd stayed in this country, he'd have been hounded by the press anyway. But do you see a pattern emerging? So, so people become footballers. Gaza was famous for crying, wearing women's breasts, singing with, you know, fog on the tines all mine, all mine, fog on the tines all mine, all right, and all that kind of stuff, and generally being the buffoon, generally being the idiot. Then he goes off to play for various other people, then he comes back, and then he starts the never-ending road to drink and delusionment, I'm afraid. And he was drinking, and he used to go out with Chris Evans... And, uh, in fact, actually, Chris Evans, Danny Baker and, and Gascoigne were always out. They were always getting drunk. But some people handle it and some people don't handle it. And quite clearly, Gascoigne went down the, the way of not handling it. And I did ask the question yesterday on the programme because he was living in a £1,600 a month flat in Bournemouth, a three-bedroom flat. And I said, but where's his money come from? And somebody said he got money from phone hacking. Well, he hasn't got it anymore. Because free friends have had to pay for him to go to America. They paid for him to fly first class. 13 grand just on that. So they've given, I think, six grand a week is what they're, they're paying for his rehab. Uh, and hopefully he will come out and, and he will be better. I have a sneaking feeling that the future don't look that bright. Because he's so far gone that he might go in there and he might do that, but I think he'll come back. And what he needs, what anybody needs who's been through rehab, is you need the support system afterwards. No good sending him over there with a carer 
And then, you know, and somebody who sits with him and everything else, and then you bring him back to this country, and then the carer goes off to do something else. It's almost like 24-hour wet nursing. You have to do it, because it's the only thing that's going to keep him alive, because he'll sit at home, he'll twiddle his thumbs, if he hasn't got any work, and he appears not to have very much work, he'll nip down the offie, and he's back on it again. George Best, the same. George Best used to take these tablets, I think, which stopped him drinking. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. He carried on drinking. That's what killed him. And so we'll have to wait and see. You know, I mean, there's a limit to how many times people can put their hands in their pocket and say, listen, you know, all right, well, we'll help you out, but this is your last, last chance saloon, Gaza, that it's not a joke anymore. If you carry on drinking, I don't know what you can say to somebody to stop them drinking. I don't think there's any answer, is there? I don't think there is. It's like people who want to stop smoking. There's many of you listening would probably love to stop smoking, but you go, I like it too much. I like smoking. And even if your doctor said you're going to, um, you're going to die if you carry on smoking, you kind of go, well, I'm going to die. And I don't think you worry about it. I don't think people think about that. Otherwise, you know, people wouldn't be smoking because you are going to die. But it doesn't make any difference whether I say it or your doctor says it or your family say it or your godchildren. I can remember my, my godchildren years ago. They used to do, they used to do photographs. Uh, not photographs. They used to do drawings put on the fridge of Uncle Steve with a cigarette saying, will you stop smoking? And this was when they were like nine and ten they were writing this sort of stuff. I mean, that didn't influence me. I just thought I wanted to do it for myself just to prove it. And I couldn't, I couldn't go back smoking now. I know a number of people who have gone back. And that's, that's up to them. They know the pitfalls. You can't do anything else but say to them, listen, you know, it's not, it's not the greatest. So when Paul Gascoigne goes in, and the Americans have a fairly good track record of this kind of thing... Um, and I'm assuming the reason they didn't put him in a place in this country is because of the press intrusion. So if it works, it works. But he's got to accept the fact that when he comes out of rehab at £6,000 a week, £18,000 over three weeks, I think he'll probably do two weeks. Because they've only put, they've only put thirty grand into the kitty. And the flight was thirteen grand to America. Nobody's going to be comping Paul Gascoigne in a free flight, are they? And so they then put him in there. 13th first, first class return. That's what it is. Whether that's for him and the carer, I don't know. Or perhaps the carer travels baggage. But he will come back, and what you have to say to somebody, and I can say it to you now if you drink, is you're not going to have a drink ever, ever again. It's not a case of you could just have one little drink every so often. You can't. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. There is no cure for alcoholism. It is always there. There is always that temptation that you'll have that one drink and you're back on it again. And that will be the, that'll be the downside for him, having to accept the fact. Because you've got to condition your mind, haven't you, to the fact that you're not ever, ever... I'm sorry to rant about this as well, but you're never, ever going to have a drink again. And that's what I don't think he's able to do. I think he's too weak. I think he's way too weak. He's pathetically weak. We've seen the breakdowns. We've seen, you know, and this isn't when he's been drunk. We've seen that when he's been sober playing football. We've had the, we've had the, the breakdowns and the emotional you know, caboodle that goes with the whole thing. It's terribly sad, but isn't there... I remember him seeing him sitting with Richard and Judy. And he was he was talking about, no, oh, I don't drink anymore now. I've got to be book out and I do this and I do that. And I thought, I wonder how, for how long? I wonder for how long before somebody says, hey, Gazza, let me buy you a drink. And that's where it all goes wrong. Save for George Best. George Best would toddle out of pubs. People have bought him drinks. They go, just bought George Best a drink in there. Whereas, in fact, they were the people killing him. Or the people killing... Paul Gasco, and they go, let me buy you a drink, mate. Let me buy you a drink. They might better handle it. He can't. But he's got to accept the fact that when he comes out of rehab in America, you know, it's a case of, and it'll take a lot. Imagine his liver must be shot through. But it's going to take an awful lot. He's got to accept the fact, no more booze in your life. That's it. Forget it. You know, go, go and get your, your, your rocks off on a, on a cabbage or something stupid. You know, take something, drink, you know, drink orange juice every day, but you're not going to be having any alcohol. And that's what people who are alcoholics crave. They crave. They don't want food. They don't want food. They want the alcohol. I told you, I had a producer who was an alcoholic. And uh, we went out for dinner once. Only the once, because it was a waste of time. He just moved the food around his plate. That's all he did. He just moved it around. And I thought, he's not going to eat anything. And I remember talking to a doctor... And he said, the drink is the food. That's, what he's, that's why he doesn't want the food. He'll just move it around. He might have a little tiny bit, but he's not enjoying it. I went, right. So when Paul Gascoigne goes over to America and he's over there now, you have to want to do it. I think somebody must have said to him yesterday or the day before, listen, if you don't go to America and get some of this, this treatment, you're going to be dead by Christmas. There's no point in messing around. And somebody said, listen, we will pay for you to go. Your friends, finally... 
of rally train. He's been like this for months. It's not just recent he's been drunk as a skunk. We've seen loads of this. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. So get the treatment in America. What the treatment is, I don't know. I've never been in one of these places. I mean, I don't know if they do cold turkey or if they give you a, an alcoholic substitute. I've got no idea. I've no idea how it works. I just know that if it's successful, it'll be brilliant and he might actually get his life back. If it's not, he'll be dead in a few months. It's as simple as it. It's as, it's as, it's as hard and fast and as cut and thrust as that, I'm afraid. Talk about ditzy. Liz Hurley. Not the brightest penny in the box, I've often thought. Do you remember the other day, she'd, um, she'd, her car was stolen in Mayfair. She parked the car, she went back and it'd gone. Somebody nicked her car. No, they hadn't. She'd just forgotten where she parked it. She's that ditzy. And so she told police that her Audi was swiped as she went shopping. But the son found it yesterday in the street where she left it last Thursday and it's covered with four days parking. Liz laughed sheepishly. Idiot. What an idiot. I mean, how stupid do you have to be to forget where you've parked the car? We've all done it in a car park. I read in the paper yesterday at pret a they encourage people to be tactile. In fact, the boss there said, he said he wants people to... Well, I mean, I can't... I'm not a tactile person unless I've had a few drinks. And in which case, I'm terribly tactile. In fact, I can be embarrassingly tactile when I've had a few drinks. And I can't help it. It's just that, you know, you, you, that's the kind of way... To, some people get aggressive on drinks. I get tactile. So I always warn, whenever people say to me, producers and things like that, they say, let's go out for a drink. I go, let's not. Let's not, you know, lest by the end of the day I find myself engaged and, you know, walking down the aisle to, you know, here comes the bride kind of stuff. So I, I, I tend not to bother with that kind of stuff. But it, it, it's, it's true that it was, it was of the period. People, you know, people did touch each other. People did go out with people at work. You know, it was quite normal because you see people all the time and you get to know somebody. It's not like standing in a bar or in a club and having a chat to somebody. You don't really know them. If you work with somebody over a close, you know, in, in a close relationship, you get to know them. And so it is quite, it's quite easy for some people to form bonds and relationships. I personally, of course, don't subscribe to that one at all. You know, as far as I'm concerned, once I finish here, that's it. I don't want to take them home with me. You know, I've worked with them all night. The last thing I want to do is is wake up with them the following morning. Uh, Harry Styles dancer. This is um, some sort of lap dancer thing. Camilla Robson. And apparently she's not a stripper. She's a photographer. She'd not done it before and she dressed her... I mean, either way, she lives in Kingston-on-Thames. Oh, lovely. Said to be mortified. Well, don't go to a party where somebody's got a camera, love. You know, I can only advise you. They all seem surprised, these people, don't they? Somebody takes a photograph and they go, oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Apparently, uh, he said, this is Harry Styles, she stripped her down to her underwear, but unfortunately there was no nudity in the bar. Uh, she's, not, um, she's not a conventional photographer, Miss Miss Robson. She specialises in taking pictures of pole dancing. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. Nevertheless, her friends seemed stunned by her striptease revelations. Harvey Rowe, Hayley Rowe, wrote on Facebook, Oh, my God, this is amazing, Mills. Is he even old enough? While Kira Alice Palmer simply exclaimed, Millie! Oh, and then another one wrote, Lucy Scott, fame at last, to which Miss Robson wrote for all of five minutes. There we are. She, was, she, was, she came out of a house the other day on a red bike dressed in tracksuit bottoms and a, and a gilet. I don't know what a gilet is. What's a gilet? A body warp. Oh, God, what a gross thing. I mean, to be honest with you, she ain't all that in the looks department. You know, I'm not, I'm not being rude. I'm just being kind. You know, she couldn't have been a stripper even if her life had depended on it. There's a picture today of the bloke from One Direction who had a fling with another stripper or she was a waitress or she wasn't a waitress or she was a pole dancer or she wasn't a pole dancer. And and they're now back together. So Perry Edwards and Zane, whatever his name is from One Direction, are back together. And you look at her and you think, why would you bother? Why would you bother? There's much better looking people out there. If you're going to go for looks and personality, I mean, if you cheated on her, there must be a reason for it. There's always a reason for these things, isn't there? You can't just... Nobody finishes with you just, just for no reason whatsoever. Uh, Ian says, at last, somebody says home truths about Gaza. Well, it's, it's as simple as that. I don't think... You know, we're not talking out of school. We're only saying what, what the truth is. He's a drunk. He's an alcoholic. He's a wife-beater. Let's not forget that, thank you very much indeed. Let's not forget the fact that he abused his wife, who went back twice. Twice! to be with him. You know, you know, once somebody hits you once, you get out as quick as possible. Because quite clearly the man is off his trolley and he's a drunk. But luckily for him, for loads of you, not at all. No help whatsoever. There's help to try and get you off, but you're no, never lucky enough to have a friend or friends who are going to come up with 30 grand 
and send you to America first class to go for some sort of treatment to stop your alcoholism. That's never going to happen, is it? Luckily for him, he's got friends in all the right places. They're people who've got a lot of money. They're people who could afford to give ten grand each. That's nothing, is it? For the resultant publicity. Ten grand each for three people. <laughs> Diddly squat, as far as I'm concerned. It's a nice thing to happen. I would hope that people would do the same for me if I fell into that particular groove. But it's, I'm hoping it's not likely. I'm hoping it's not likely. The day I come down for breakfast and don't want eggy soldiers and, um, and, and peanut butter on toast and want sort of a, a large vodka and tomato juice is the day I think I give up. Although I have known presenters over the years who have uh, done programmes on alcohol. Uh, Mark says, uh, good to hear Gazza's getting help. Well done. His friends for stumping up the cash to fly him to America. I know he was pretty stupid in his younger days, but England had a star when he was at the top of his game, an entertainer. Yes, sadly now just a drunk. And, and, and it's, it's all too easy, isn't it, to go back and go, of course he was really funny, he was a great footballer. I had an argument with a producer once of mine. And he used to say, oh, Gazza, he's a star. I went, he's a drunk. He's a drunk. He beats women up. That's what he did. You know, it's, it, there's a limit to how long you can laugh at the fool in the corner. You know, it's not funny when it becomes aggressive. And it's not funny when it, when it becomes nasty. Although you notice that Bianca Gascoigne, even though wanted to distance herself, hung on to that name as much as possible and milked it for all she could. What does that woman do now? It's only a matter of time until Bianca comes out with her heartbreaking story. Don't forget, at six, we have In Conversation on today's show. We catch up with actor James Phelps, also known as Fred Weasley from Harry Potter, and comedian Sean Hughes. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But first, here on LBC 97.3, news at 5.30. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. You're listening to the best bits of Steve Allen from the week. At six this morning, we're in conversation with James Phelps, who's excited to be making the transition from film to stage, and Sean Hughes, who's touring the UK with his comedy show, Life Becomes Noises. But for now, let's carry on with my best bits, and by the middle of the week, all anybody could talk about was a very public feud. And I did suddenly realise that Mr Hume's ex-wife, ooh, she's a woman on a mission. Did you not feel, even though I said yesterday that, and in fact I was speaking to another person and I was saying about the passing on of the points. You know, if you actually get, if you're a professional driver, you don't want points on your licence. So what people do is they pass them on to wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, lovers, elderly maiden aunts. They pass it on to anybody. It's been going on for donkey's years. It appears that a few of you are blissfully unaware of this. And I said that I knew of people. People had told me that they'd actually done it. And I spoke to somebody yesterday who I do know. And he said, and I didn't even mention that I talked about it on the programme. And he said to me, he said, he said, round our neck of the woods, he said, that's really common. I said, the trouble is for him, I said, he stood there and blatantly lied. He said, whereas, in fact, if he'd done it and just, just done nothing about it, it probably would have been fine. He would have got away with it. But it was the fact that he cheated on the wife. And the wife decided... But she was having none of it. So she wrote to the newspapers and they had an email and she decided to sell him down the river. And the man's an idiot, quite clearly. Not his fault. I mean, you do get stupid people. It's just that some of them become in... Uh, they, they become MPs. And you can't do anything. But it goes back ages and ages ago. And then I looked at the picture of the wife and she looks like a woman scorned. She looks like a woman who's on a mission. And that, that did make me smile a little bit. I want to nail him, she said. And she uh, pitched up the other day. So anyway, so now he's over. And we were, they, they were taking bets on the internet yesterday how long he'll serve in prison. I think he'll be given 18 months, out inside six months, and he'll write a book. He'll write, because how else is he going to survive? In fact, I, I asked Nick Ferrari yesterday. I said, what will happen? He's, I said, do you think he'll write a book? And he said, yeah. You get, Jonathan Aitken did it when he went into prison. Tim says, Splash is doing a second series. Yes. Yes, I know that. I know that. I know that they. I knew that they were doing it because they tried to get loads of publicity for it, and the publicity they got. I mean, Eddie the Eagle Edwards won this one. I hope to God that's the last we've seen of him. I'm sorry about that. I mean, you know, he was admittedly he was the best one out of it. Leandro Pena lasted five minutes. He gave an interview to a paper back home in Argentina, like they're remotely interested in Katie Price out there, saying that you know she's an attention seeker. Like, tell us something we don't know. I like Leandro, though. Out of all the people that she went out with and married, I thought he was the best looking. The one at the moment, I think, is going to sell her down the river. I don't care that they've only known each other a short while. He said she is desperate for publicity. That's what she, she's in the business of publicity. I thought, yes, 
Uh, Ian says, you may have covered the story about the 80-year-old woman who's died in hospital two weeks after being starving after a private uh, care company went bust. Yes, I heard that. And I'll tell you what really, really annoyed me about that, more than anything, more than anything, is the, the local council. Because what had happened, this woman was 80 at home, relying on a care company to bring her food round, and they axed the company for, for whatever reason it was, I can't remember. But they didn't tell anybody that they were looking after an 80-year-old woman. So the council, you know, didn't know anything about it. And all they did, there was some quote from some blooming councillor who just dismissed this woman's life. Like, you know, we will be looking into it and uh, we're very sorry. I thought, very sorry? She's dead, for Christ's sake. What is it with these, with these rock-hard councillors who, if it happened to their mother, would be the first ones to go bleating like girls' blouses? It was, blum- it was just atrocious. But in this country, we don't, we don't seem to care about people. They took her into hospital. It was too late. It was too late. She died. Uh, there are no unlicensed minicabs. There are thieves, says John, who have a car and lie to people that they're a cab. Uh, the PCO only have the power to enforce the hackney carriage law on licensed cabs illegally plying for hire. Well, how can a, how can a licensed cab illegally... Oh, I see what you mean. Like a licensed one who plies along the side of the street. Oh, right. And the police are responsible to catch the bogus cabs, including the illegal bogus taxis. That's John the cabbie from South London. He says... Uh, He's also the London Private Hire Drivers Branch Committee member, which sounds terribly posh. It's like being a member of the Brownies, isn't it, really? <laughs> it was good. Somebody says, what was Betamax, disc or tape? <sighs> asking the wrong person here. I'm only 37. I don't know anything like that at all, I'm afraid. <laughs> I lie, actually. I lie. How could you have missed, says Jackie, the Beverly Hills Housewives? The two sisters are Paris Hilton's aunt. The English lady is the only sane one in it. The blonde sister was a child star in Disney movies. It's addictive. Oh, the two sisters are vile. They're horrible people. They're, oh, they're Paris Hilton's aunts, are That's their claim to fame. Eileen in Gillingham. See, Jackie's on her way to work. And Eileen in Gillingham says, I love the housewives of Beverly Hill. It's very bitchy. <laughs> no, no kidding. I watch every day. Adrian's loaded. She owns a basketball team. I've also tried that uh, mooncake. Bought mine in San Francisco. Um, I, d- I didn't like it, I'm afraid. It cost five pounds. She said, I listen every day on the way to work. Phil says, the man who says he'll never shop in Tesco ever again, how's he going to spend the £25 Tesco voucher? Good point. Good point. I never thought about that one. Never thought about that one. Gong Ho Fat Choi. Thank you. Just thought I'd chuck it in, actually. Now we all sp- fluent Cantonese, which is very good, isn't it? But I am addicted to the Housewives of Beverly Hills, but I hate those, uh, those two sisters. Vile old bags, as far as I'm concerned. But, but then each programme, I'm sure they deliberately look for horrible people. Vicky in the Orange County, she's revolting. She really is revolting. And Tamara, equally vile. This woman who seems to think she's something special. Oh, horrible, horrible. I caught Sarah Millican's chat show the other day. She had Bill Turnbull on. I don't know why. It's terribly boring. It's terribly boring. She was asking him questions like, you know, what time he gets up and does he take Newsley into work and things like that. And then she put those dreadful people on from Geordie Shaw, which is, which is quite, quite one of the worst programmes I've ever seen. And then... Yesterday, we had the fact that Becky Adlington announced her retirement at the age of 23, saying she wanted to go out on a high. Although the idea was, if you're a sports person, and I thought, oh, God, don't tell me you're going to be a TV presenter. I couldn't bear it. Not another Olympic person thinking they can be a TV presenter. But no, uh, she's, she's going to train young people to swim. She's got a Swim Stars project teaching kids to swim, which is quite good. That's great. That's fine. I can cope with that. I can live with something. I don't want anything more, thank you. Nothing more. I did think maybe perhaps she could get her nose done. But that's me being terribly cruel, isn't it? You look at somebody and you think, it's a bit Barry Manilow. That's a bit landing Concord, that one. So she's got the OBE, and I think she's got two gold medals, and she's got two bronzes in London. Not particularly brilliant, two bronzes. I mean, it's like saying you lost. You know, the gold is the bit that you want. And then there was a picture of David Beckham in his pants. Well, I thought a small sock or something, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't think anything else. That's certainly not... Not what people look like in their pants. You know, any man will look at that and go, there's something in there, and it's not what you think it is. It's probably a sock. They use the same thing for Peter Andre, as his uh, agent Claire (laughs) said the other day. Last year, she said we used a sock. This year, we've used a small handkerchief. Dear, poor Peter. Little Mr Teeny Tiny, I think. Uh, Because he was worried about that in the jungle with Jordan. They kept playing that clip over and over again. We kept asking her, you know, how endowed 
she thought he was. And, of course, she didn't have the faintest idea at all. But you look at David Beckham and you think, no, dear, that's not you in there. They don't look like that in pants. Any man will tell you. Any man will tell you. Um, there was another story. I, I love the idea of a stewardess. She's, she's on a flight. Uh, it's a, a Russian uh, plane, Aeroflot. I don't know if you've ever flown Aeroflot. If you're very lucky, you can sit with the rear gunner and they've got an outside toilet. It's like that. Aeroflot is like... Oh, my God. It's, it's, it's not... It's, I wouldn't ever fly Aeroflot. But anyway, she's got a picture of herself sticking a finger up to the camera behind the, uh, the head of all the, the, uh, the passengers who are sitting there blissfully unaware, mainly because they're probably all drunk, I should imagine. But the, uh, the bosses found out and fired her. She's now saying, it's not my hand. How do you prove that something's your hand? I was looking at my hand yesterday and I thought, if you took a picture of your hand and you put it up on Twitter or something, would they know it was your hand? How would I know that was my... You'd know it was my hand, would you? You don't know anything. You don't know anything at all. You thought the two fat ladies were lesbian. I mean, there's no point, is there? We're starting off from zero basis. They're not, of course. Just to point that out. She can't remember. We were coming up with the fact we couldn't think of any... Uh, having been told the stunning revelation that there are, in fact, Tory gay MPs, now we've discovered that we can't think of any gay chefs. Except she thought maybe somebody on the Great British Bake Off. Well, there is Sue Perkins, who, who is gay. That is true. And she's got that deeply unfunny partner. Sue and Melon, Mel, Melon, Mel, Melon, Melon, whatever. Mel Gidroich, who's, who's just not funny. Or entertaining, I'm afraid. Sue Perkins, I can cope with. I like Sue Perkins a lot. I interviewed her once. She'd come back from doing a gig and she was so exhausted. <laughs> Poor soul. Bad news if you went to the circus the other day in Mexico. Because the, like, I, I say Mexico because I, I've never been to Mexico. A friend of mine went on a holiday there, said it was the most ghastly place he'd ever been to. And I went, arriba, arriba, da 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 And I got a bit excited because I, I, I've eaten tortillas and stuff like that. And, and I, I just feel, I've never actually quite fancied it. It's, well, I don't know. But I mean, I, I've, I've never been there, but a friend of mine did go to Mexico and he said it was the worst holiday he'd ever had. He just, he just didn't like it. And in fact, if you remember, the... Top Gear team went through Mexico and they suddenly discovered the place is run by bandits in this town. They nearly got all the cars confiscated and they wanted huge amounts of money to allow them just to pass through the town. They, had, they couldn't wait to get out. It's a bit like going to Russia. Anyway, the people in Mexico go to the circus and have the high wire acts and, da, 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 and the clown da, 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 running around and all the rest of it. And then they have the lion tamer and the lion kills him. In front of everybody. People run screaming from the tent. It's the first time in ages and ages that this uh, animal, it's a Bengal tiger, lunged at the trainer. And unfortunately, when, when they lunge, it might have only just been a... You know, you see them sitting on their bottoms and they do this thing with their paw. But their paws are the size of two slippers put together with claws. So if it, it caught him, and of course, then the animal gets a bit excited, and in this case, as the crowd fled screaming, workers were trying to hit the animal in an attempt to, to free the trainer, but it was too late. He died in hospital. Uh, attacks on humans are very rare. Very, very rare, because most of these animals in circuses have been, have been brought up since they were little tiny cubs, so they're, they're very friendly. You know, to, well, I say friendly. I mean, you know, as friendly as you can be with a wild animal. And I speak from experience, having been quite close to animals. I've been very close to a puma. They're quite frightening. You're not going to argue with these things. They're like, they're like fighting machines. But then London Zoo have got their new exhibit coming up very shortly. They've got uh, their new tiger enclosure, which should be up, I think, March, April time. If you walk through Regent's Park, you can see it being built. And it looks so. Like it's going to be really, really good. They've got two new tigers in there which will be going in, and that will be the new exhibit. So you'll be hearing about that on LBC in a few months' time. I do love London Zoo. So as soon as those tigers arrive, I'll be down there to get you a full report and pictures. Let's take another quick break here. After which, we get up close and personal with David Beckham. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. This week, you can't have failed to see the pictures of David Beckham frolicking in his unmentionables. Does he actually do anything else these days? I mean, amazing how much publicity this man gets for just posing in his pants and running through in a film made by Guy Ritchie, a man who's never made a decent film in his life. But this one he makes, which is probably the, the lamest film out of all the things he's probably attempted, and it gets all the coverage of the paper because we have this obsession with David Beckham. But 
every man I've spoken to says this is not David Beckham in his pants. It, it is David Beckham wearing a pair of pants. But uh, what turns out to be Mr Beckham's supposedly best feature at the front uh, is not. I suspect it's either a sock, a hanky or, a, or at best a cricket box. Because men don't look like that in their pants. Take my word for it. Women, of course, don't know. And he is the most popular uh, statue, for want of better, uh, better description, at Madame Two Swords. Uh, Jeremy Kyle makes the front of the papers, as you know, because of his uh, his testicular cancer battle. He said, so I've only got one little spherical object now. He said, better that than I can see my daughter growing up. Uh, they might or they might not have found Madeleine McCann in New Zealand. They've gone for, for some sort of DNA. Apparently somebody's seen her over there, and so they're investigating that one. I was, I was, I was amazed, actually, because that, I would have thought, was, you know, really big. So the... The Richard Desmond publications, The Express, have gone for it. Um, and yet, strangely enough, it's, it's David Beckham being quizzed about his sex life, which makes the front page of the Daily Star this morning, because in an effort to uh, try and drum up interest in a pair of pants, for God's sake, uh, David Beckham goes online. He's eclipsed, of course, by David Attenborough, who, uh, who got far more people interested in David Attenborough as opposed to the rather drippy David Beckham trying to look mean and moody. And then he smiles and he realises he's just a big softy. He's just a big softy. It's just, it's an image kind of thing. And he can't wait to take his clothes. He probably walks around the house like it. I should imagine most people do, don't they, nowadays? I mean, well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I just think all these tattoos he's got, he looks a bit trailer trash. I just, it's just trashy. And in fact, there's actually a, a picture in one of the papers today of uh, somebody else having a, having a tattoo. Not my most favourite things in the world. But again yesterday, I'm afraid, I turn on the television and I'm addicted to the housewives of Beverly Hills, and the ridiculously rich Mohammed, who might or might not be Tunisian. I don't know. But he is so rich. Now, he might be... I mean, I think he has a, a fiancé. His house is mega. And so, for his... I mean, it made me look like a pauper. One of the girls in there, her, her mummy's English. And for her birthday... I think, no, her, what was it? Not her birthday. I think it was her engagement party. She was engaged to this ridiculously good-looking American bloke. And I'm not at all surprised, I mean, because the family are obviously loaded, because they got her for her birthday a piece of jewellery, and it was worth $68,000. And it was, it was rather nice, but I kept thinking, $68,000 as a present, blimey. I mean, that's like, you know, £45,000, £50,000. That's kind of a lot of money, isn't it, to spend on somebody? And then for the bloke, for the bloke, for the, for the man she was going to get married to... The husband of the of the woman who'd given her the thing, who, who looks... I don't know what he does for a living, but he's got slightly dodgy hair for a man of that age. That's all I'll tell you. And he gave a watch that somebody had given to him. But this, this young bloke knew the make of it, and it was worth $21,000. And I thought, great. But then the godfather of the girl, whose name I can't remember, Poppy or something, I don't know, anyway, uh, decides to throw a party for it, his mansion... And he does I mean, he goes over the top. Everybody is there, and everybody says the same thing. Oh, my God, you look fabulous. Oh, my God, you look good. It was such vacuous conversations. You wish somebody had blown the old bloody lot of them up, but they didn't. And Mohammed had laid on, as the limos pulled in, at the front door there was a belly dancer, a woman playing with a snake, and a real camel. A real camel outside there. Then you go into this stunningly gorgeous house, and they all go downstairs into his ballroom, which has been done up like a Bedouin tent. The entire room had um, a band playing at the back with drums and pipes and all the rest of it. And it was Bedouin tent with all cushions. And then they had some people doing acrobats. As usual, there were a couple of ghastly sisters in there, the old, the old, uh, the old tarts of the whole programme. I mean, they're just really, they're so lame. They quite clearly don't have as much money as everybody else. And by God, does it show no breeding, no taste, no nothing at all. They really are the dregs of society. And there they are dragging... But they all argue. Everybody in all these programmes argues. It's, it's like, I don't argue with my neighbours all the time, but these people go out with each other and then stab each other in the back. Meanwhile, over in the Housewives of Orange County, they look like paupers compared to the Housewives of Beverly Hills. Housewives of Beverly Hills have all got Rolls-Royce Phantoms and everything else. And over in, you know, poor old trailer trash land, poor old Vicky, living in what can only be described as a squat compared to what the housewives of Beverly Hills are living in, which are these huge... I mean, these mansions, you've never seen anything like them. Manicured lawns and fountains and, you know... I mean, he even put swans on his fountain, real swans, most of dead stuffed swans, swimming around. And then he sort of cuts back to Gretchen, 
and her tatty little house. I mean, God, blimey, I have seen bigger bedsits. You know, Gretchen quite clearly spends most of her money having her hair done and her nails done and her boobs done, and they're all just ghastly. Tamara's just had her boobs reduced in size. And Vicky goes, so now, she said, no bum, no boobs, no personality. And I thought, yeah, that kind of sums them all up, actually, really. It is hilarious to watch. It's absolutely hilarious, because they've all got so little money in Orange County, but yet they think they're really loaded, and yet they sit in really trashy restaurants. And yet over in Beverly Hills, they practically own the restaurants. I'd love to know what Mohammed does for a living. I thought drug dealer. You know, he had so much money, it was hilarious. I mean, I've never... The houses are stunning. They're absolutely... You fall over backwards looking at how much more marble can you get in a place. I mean, you go downstairs in Mohammed's house to the ballroom, down a marble staircase. I've never seen so much marble. Well, I did, actually, because I went to Putney Cemetery a short while ago, and there's loads of it in there, loads of marble, which is lovely. Not that anybody ever visits. I can't say anything else about David Beckham. I really, I just don't understand the fascination. Perhaps the newspapers go, well, thank God David Beckham's got an advert out, because it's a very slow news year, and we can't think of anything to put in. Paul McCartney was mistaken for a busker. He broke into song on a tram. Oh, dear. I think that's, that's slightly naff, I'm afraid. Um, he took a ride on a New Orleans streetcar and um, he was with a security guard and his wife, Nancy Shevel. A security guard? Was that how bad it's got for poor old Paul McCartney, the nicest one out of the group? He's got to have a security guard. But anyway, um, he started singing Beatles songs. Some people threw money at him. I think what they were trying to do is push him off the tram. Stop singing, old man. Stop it. You're ruining those Beatles songs. Oh, my God, it is a Beatle. It's Paul McCartney. That's nice, though, isn't it? He was in town for the Super Bowl on Sunday. Here's old David Boy Beckham uh, doing... These inkings, they're horrible. They really are. But uh, David Beckham, who, as we all know, shaves his body. We know that because they told us uh, ages and ages ago. Maddie is found in New Zealand. She would have thought if she had actually been found in New Zealand, this would have been front-page story uh, everywhere. And another, another Catholic priest has been arrested as part of a paedophile gang who are operating in barns, of all places. And uh, this this uh, former Catholic priest, 66, a former uh, deputy head, questioned on suspicion of sexual offences by the Operation Fernbridge officers. They were seized at addresses in East Sussex and Norfolk. What's ever happened to the other things? Has that just gone all quiet now? After we had all this furore, after the Jimmy Savile and lots of people were arrested, and is, has that just... Is that, is that gone away now, or is that coming back later in the year? I, I don't quite know what's going on there. Some people, I think Fred Talbot, said nothing's ever happened. He was they, they broke down the door to his house, but he's never been questioned over anything. And so he's sort of saying, so, so what, what gives here? I don't know, I could just see horrible cases coming up where they're going to be suing the police for wrongful arrest. And as Jane Moore pointed out yesterday, what Dave Lee Travers did by groping the bosom of a couple of, um, couple of women who were... In their, I think they were mid-twenties, and she tried to equate it with Justin Bieber, who did exactly the same thing, but with a very young girl, and saying, what's the difference? The answer is, there is no difference. It's just that Justin Bieber is fated by everybody, and everybody goes, ooh, Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber. It's like, you know, you can think of any group, can't you, about, uh, you know, which has got famous boys in it who have sex with girls. I mean, you know, in years to come, are we going to see Harry Styles being arrested for sort of going out with all these women? Uh, I mean, I just wonder, really, whether or not it, it's going to come up later. They're going to go, actually, it was unwarranted attention. I didn't want it to be touched. I was a young person, and I was, I was, you know, hugely, hugely bowled over by him. I don't know, actually. It is, it is worrying, isn't it? Because groupies. I mean, it is, it is, it is, it is, it's groupies everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, I mean, I find myself, I have to battle my way into the building some morning. It's ridiculous. I had the wheelchairs out there and people holding bottles of holy water. We love you, Steve, we love you. You know, as I'm coming into the building, you know, <laughs> avenge the widows. Steve Allen, I, I don't know why they're Irish. They're all Irish <laughs> for some stupid... We love you, Steve, we love you. No, that's the men. <laughs> the women say the same. We love you, Steve, we love you, Steve. It's just they sli- sound slightly more slurry, which is good. Uh, guess who was in uh, court the other day? Yes, um, Paula Hamilton. I'm sorry. She needs to get some medical help. Quite clearly, she's not all there in the brain department. She's too stupid for her own good. I mean, here, she lashed out at police. She was threat- she was she uh, she hit a policeman whilst clutching a sunflower. I mean, you know, you kind of ask yourself the question, don't you? She's not fit for purpose. I'm afraid you'd have to take her back and trade her in for something else, like a mangle or something. Uh, they say actually, these hospitals it wasn't 400 people who died. 
1,200 people. 1,200 people. I've had emails and text messages from people who know, and it is an absolute disgrace that nobody's been prosecuted. How can people... You know, it's, it's almost like this do not resuscitate, isn't it? You know, people for whom, you know, in, in these hospitals cared was just a, a byword. They didn't even... They didn't care about people. And you do think, don't you, when you actually, you know, put people into a hospital, you're entrusting somebody to the care of the nurses. And, 90, and I believe you me, I'm the biggest fan of the NHS there is. The NHS saved my life, so I'm, I'm absolutely... You know, absolutely big fan of the NHS. I won't hear a word said against it. I think they have to, you know, other countries don't have what we have. And we should be grateful. But unfortunately, in certain hospitals, there are failings. And it goes right to the top. And you have to, there have to be prosecutions. You have to put people up in court. If somebody's died as a result of negligence, or, I mean, not even staff cuts. It doesn't come down to that, or the fact they haven't got any money. You don't put that down to that. They have a, they have a duty, a duty of care. They have a duty of care to look after somebody. If your if your mum, if your dad, if your if your son or daughter or brother or sister or auntie or uncle goes into hospital, you would expect that they're going to get the best thing. They're going to get the best treatment that there is. And sometimes, well, in this case, it was just absolutely nothing at all. It was it was terrible. Chloe's very bored with David Beckham. She says, believe it or not, not every woman wants him, especially with that ghastly voice. Yes, it's the. Um, it's the voice, isn't it? Hi, everybody. It's not quite as bad as that. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, lovely one here. Somebody else very bored with David Beckham. They keep putting him there, don't they? They keep putting him, you know, in the papers. It's either him, her, or the kids. And frankly, you know, I mean, they're, they're, I, I can understand if they'd started a religion or something like that. But all they are is self-promoters. They promote themselves. Brand Beckham. So that's that's why. You do get a bit bored and the papers go, well, that's fantastic. So we can actually have, you know, them in the papers. And it fills up a whole page. A whole page. Uh, a lot of people checking on, on David Beckham. Uh, another one here. Uh, which says, uh, I think it's a sock. Yes, I, I mean, I, don't, I think it's just a cricket box. I think, I think that, that's what it is, actually. Uh, Beckham, a cricket box, is what a lot of cricketers wear. So if somebody's bowling a ball, it's like a, it's like a, a hard plastic thing. that you. Yes, it's, like, it's sort of like a cup. Or in some, some, some people, probably an egg cup, I should have. If Peter Andre just have a little egg cup or something. But other people, it would be like a tankard. And it's a plastic box. You buy them in all the sports shops and you stick it down your pants. And so if a ball comes your way and somebody bowls it and it hits you in the nether region, it's like, wow! Well, I think it's fair to say Beckham's pictures of his undies are enhanced. But with what? Answers on a postcard, please. I'm back tomorrow at four to see you through another week. Don't forget you can download the full podcast of the show from the LBC 97.3 website. That's lbc.co.uk. As well as the free extra podcasts, which are up there every day. And you can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. After the break, you'll hear from James Phelps and Sean Hughes for In Conversation. But first, the news at six.